Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. We are very pleased to have with us today, Dr. Christina Paston. Dr. Paston is the director of the Mind Body Wellness at Tufts University School of Dental Medicine and an assistant professor of clinical endodontics. A 300-hour certified Kripalu yoga and meditation instructor, as well as a Lakshmi Volka chair yoga instructor, Dr. Paston teaches self-regulation skills through the mind-body practices of yoga and meditation in a mandatory curriculum she developed for dental students. Her work also involves lecturing and guiding experiences in the mind-body practices of yoga and meditation and how they assist in the development of the dental professional as well as support individual personal growth and stress release. Dr. Paston also maintains a private endodontic practice in Back Bay, Boston, Massachusetts. Please welcome Dr. Christina Paston. Thank you so much, MJ. Thanks for having me with you. First of all, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the program that you developed at Tufts, and then I want to go into some of the things that you have done in your life to get you there because you have a really fascinating story. So I think it's really important, you know, outside of our circle at Tufts, and of course everybody knows you from the work that you've been doing at at the school, but you know, outside of our circles, it would be really good for people to understand how you got involved in the wellness and, and mindfulness practice. Well, it's interesting. People ask me often, how, how did I ever start practicing meditation and yoga? And I would love to say that I came to those practices because I wanted to, but I, I came to those practices because I had to. Two years into my career as an endodontist, I was uh, 31 years old. I was practicing endodontics four and a half days a week, teaching a half a day a week, going to meetings, studying for boards, preparing lectures to give at meetings as a, as a new specialist. Mm-hmm. And I was speaking to a, a family friend and he asked me how I was doing, and I said, "You know, I uh, this this profession that I've worked so hard for. My my dad was a dentist. I wanted to be a dentist since I was seven. I had a, an, a another mentor in my life, an endodontist, and here I was now feeling exhausted, uh, cynical, not connected to myself. And this family friend I was talking to was a psychiatrist." And he said to me, I think you need to see a friend of mine who could help you relax. Now, little did I know that I was suffering burnout because those are, those wow. are three characteristics of, of burnout. So he sent me to a friend of his, a man named Dr. Herbert Benson, who is the father yeah. of mind, mind body medicine. I pioneer in, in the research behind meditation. Cool. I had no idea who he was. I go... And when I think that he was my first meditation teacher, so I thought I was going to learn how to relax, but he (laughs) taught me the relaxation response, which was basically a Western version 
of Eastern right. meditation. It was breathing and repeating a mantra over and over. And after you do this for 10 minutes, you would really feel relaxed. And so even then when I was doing it, MJ, I didn't know it was meditation. So I started practicing that. That really started to, to change some aspects of my life. But then two years later, I'm trying to start a family and was suffering miscarriages. Mm. And that's what brought me to yoga because I felt like I just really, I really felt my body was saying, you are just, this place is not, not Healthy. ready to house a, a baby. Right. And I, I came to yoga, like doing videotapes in my bedroom. And two beautiful children later, I realized that these practices, I needed to continue them. They weren't mm -hmm. just um, a quick fix that they had now become something that I needed. And in my early 40s, I started to really go deeper into yoga and seeing my students at Tufts, seeing some of the residents having panic attacks before their surgeries or different procedures, uh, seeing our faculty so stressed. The, the dental school is always such a beehive to me. And I was feeling I'd been so transformed by these, these practices. I still, I, I still am a type A, but I'm a, a type A in recovery. I, I know how to, to navigate my life with these tools. And when a student told me after I taught her how to breathe to get through her apicoectomy after she was showing some anxiety and panic, she told me that I had taught her the most important skill she had ever learned in dentistry or maybe in her life. And Amazing. I thought when I walked out of Tufts that day, I had a different calling. And teaching endodontics was, was fulfilling, but I had something was Lord. calling me to do something that was going to fulfill, be fulfilling to me. And I had a new purpose. Mm -hmm. I still do teach endodontics, but this is, this is a new purpose. And I felt if a student in her seventh year of dental education did not know a tool to self-regulate, then what about the students in their first years, their second oh, years? You know, we can go all through. And then, it, you know, the, this was a post-grad, second-year post-grad student. And then I was thinking of the faculty who, who, who mm -hmm. are just burnt out. And I thought, I want to help them. So that catapulted me to Kripalu. And most of your friends commented they thought you were going through a midlife crisis. I remember that piece of the story, right? <laughs> yes, people were saying to me, why? My children went off to boarding school, so I had the, mm -hmm. the ability to do it. But, you know, they were saying, why in the middle of your life, you know, you're practicing would you endodontist, ever? would you ever want, why do you want to become a yoga teacher? <laughs> and I said, I am going to pursue a yoga teacher training with, with a vision and with a goal. And I think a lot of people thought, thought it was very far-fetched, but I, I just felt that I, I really feel, and, and now I'm going to talk a little yoga language. So in yoga, we talk a lot about leading with our heart. Mm. You know, when we're called to something with our heart, we need to follow our heart and not look at the rewards not look at where it could get you or what it could be. Just keep leading with your heart and then the gold and everything will happen. And so I think that's how my passion 
of teaching these when I approached the dental school, um, our, our administration, I, I have so much respect for their open-minded approach to dental education. And they, they looked at me and said, you know what, our students need this. Sure and do. I felt very fortunate that they they saw that passion and they believed in me. And this is my, I can't believe it, MJ, the beginning of my fifth year. So um, we've already graduated one of the classes that you started, correct? The D19s were my yeah. first class. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, That's amazing. Um, so it is, it's very exciting that our students are learning meditation and yoga in the first month of school. Mm -hmm. And then it gets carried into operative dentistry. Now we are teaching diaphragmatic breathing as a self-regulation skill for the students. Uh, they start practicing it during their competencies. And so for them to be practicing this in their competencies when they are doing the most controlled dentistry, I know they're ever doing in their life and a, pl and a plastic tooth and a dummy head, no saliva, <laughs> you know, no blood, no movement, no uh, emotion. Right. And our students are, get very nervous when they take a competency. Well, you know, I, I want to share a story with you and I, I don't think I've told you this one yet, but I was recently doing a CDCA exam as an examiner and you and I've talked a little bit and I know now that you're doing a meditation, a guided meditation with the students ahead of this exam. Well, I was watching a student get extremely anxious and I kept looking at him and I said to him at one point, I said, you need to go sit down and breathe. And I didn't wanna to say too much one way or the other, but I said, you have to go sit down and you have to breathe because you're getting too anxious. I said, it's not gonna help you do well on this exam. And he kind of looked at me kind of funny, but he did what I told him to do. And then I absolutely positively noticed the difference. He came up to me afterwards and said, thank you for reminding me. Uh -huh. And that's what people need, right? Is it, I think they just need that reminder that, you know, we are all human and emotions can really take over in certain situations. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about you know, the uncertain times that we're in right now, but I want to continue on with your part of your story. And I just had to share that because it was, it was visible. And I think that, that we as faculty members too, I hope that we become more and more aware of this. And I, I think that that's one of the keys that, that I found for myself starting my practice of meditation is that I'm much more aware of things now. Well, what's so that there's you know two things um, that I want to comment to what you just said. That's that's incredible, and I love that you know the fact that you you have the awareness to say go breathe. You know, working with the faculty at the school, and you know we're creating this culture of wellness where right, right. at our school now this is this lingo of diaphragmatic breathing, meditation, yoga, self regulation. It's kind of part of our, everybody understands it. Everyone understands it's it. So, so for, great. You know, thank you for reminding me is really wonderful. And I think that, you know, when students go through college, it's a completely different four years of, of education. When yeah. students come into dental school, they are training to be professionals. They are. Dental yeah. professionals that have to be able to rise up in times of stress. Things don't always go right. 
a patient could, you know, faint in our chair. And so just as important as a CPR is, we need to know how to stay in our place to rally our, our staff and, and whatnot. So we have this incredible resource within us and it's sure the do. resource that keeps us alive, our breath, right? We, t we take it for granted all day long. We're breathing. We, we don't even think about it. Yep. And eating, um, blood's, blood's going through the entire body. It's amazing. We're not consciously breathing. We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're breathing without realizing that we're breathing. But when we bring a conscious effort and we know how to control our breath, that's when we really tap into the resource that can do something for us, that can shift everything. So it's great that we can just look within ourselves and, and, and teach students how to do that because it, it takes practice. It sure does. It sure does. And are you continuing your, your classes, quote unquote, when the students are now off campus? You know, especially with all that's going on now, and depending upon how, how much you pay attention to the news, how much you're reading, you know, that could contribute to increased anxiety. And, and obviously we know increased anxiety, you know, just spins us out of control and it, it wreaks havoc with our emotions, all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, how are you managing all of that for the students now? So um, I immediately went in to Zoom conferencing and thought, well, I am going to do my Tuesday night yoga class and my Thursday drop-in meditation on Zoom. I just changed the time. I do it at 4.30 on Tuesdays, and I kept the 12.30 meditation times. I figured that's a good time for people who might be um, having lunch. Perfect. And I've been getting some people tuning in that have never had the time to tune in. Isn't and that exciting? It is exciting because people will see me through the building or on the elevator and they'll say, mm -hmm. oh, Dr. Passini, I always want to come to your yoga class, but I'm always in clinic or I'm too busy or I have, or I have a meeting. That's exactly. my constant excuse. Yeah. Exactly. And now people are like, why? Well, I have the time. Maybe I'll right. try it. So, so now I'm excited that maybe through this time, it gives other people that aren't more opportunity to, to give it a try and to see, see what it's like. Sure, sure. And just so everybody knows, we're planning on doing a meditation after this, but we just want to talk a little bit more, you know, let's shift some gears and, and, and start talking about, you know, the impact that COVID-19 is having on all of us. Obviously, we're, we're, we're equipped to deal with stress in different ways. I think that being able to meditate, take care of ourselves, our bodies in the healthiest way is, is really helpful. But I, I do think that we have to be extremely careful about that mentality, that group mentality that can, you know, kind of get us off track on where we want to be and, and just increase that anxiety to the point where, you know, some people are really panicking. And I think we should talk a little bit about that and maybe, you know, give, you know, I'm sure you have insight as to, you know, what people can be doing that will be helpful for them to manage themselves and manage going through this. Uh, I know many of our dental colleagues are not working. They're not coming into their practices anymore. I know that 
a lot of them are finding solace in, in the fact that they're trying to volunteer and do things outside of their world so that they feel needed. And I think that that sense of helplessness really impacts people, especially when we are caregivers and we are caring for people every single day. I mean, every day we go in and we never know what the problems are that are going to come in and, and we have to be on our game every day in order to deal with that. But right now we're lost. I think most practitioners are lost in themselves thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my time? Because I've never had this before. You know, some people are playing tennis, some people are reading, and some people are really getting on this really bad treadmill of increased panic. So let's talk a little bit about that. What do you, what do you, you know, I, some insight for them as far as, you know, what does anxiety feel like for most people? And can you stop that triggering from happening? Well, with anxiety, it's a feeling of being out of control. Mm. Right? All of us wish we could control everything in our lives. And I think a lot of people wish that life would be great every day, right? right. And so I think what's important in times like this, and, and as I say this, it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. The most important thing is to is acceptance. Right. to accept that this is where we're at. Nobody asked for this. Nobody thought that we would be doing this now. Even back no. in January when, when it was all kind of beginning, none of us thought it would get here in this, in this capacity. So accept it. This is where we're at. This is a new, a new way of living. And with that acceptance is to accept that we can't change it. The only thing that's going to change it are the things that, or one of the things we can control is doing what we're all doing, right? Being responsible, social distancing, working from home. That's what we can control. We're doing right. that. But we can't control when this is going to stop, how this is going to impact the economy, how this is affecting our staff that can't come in. And I know, because I'm a human being, it would be crazy for me to tell you that I don't start to go, go there myself. But when that happens, I get right here on my meditation cushion. That's <laughs> awesome. Is that all right? Just sit down. And it's about taking some time to sit with yourself and just accept that you cannot change this. And like I said, it's easier said than done, but that's actually what the whole basis of meditation is. Sitting and being with whatever feelings, uh, thoughts and emotions are arising in your life at that time and meeting them with non-judgment and self-compassion mm -hmm. and and being with them letting them all be the way they are and that's the practice because once you get to a place where you're like you know what i can't control this i'm going to take the measures i can to be safe i am going to accept what i can can change what i can do and the rest is out of my control let it be out of let your it control. go and just let, let it, it go let it go and yeah. so, you know, this is a bigger version, a much greater, bigger version of, I think, actually what we struggle with, with small stresses in our lives. Mm -hmm. But they have a cumulative effect, don't they? 
I mean, you know, I, I think most diseases are the cumulative effect of some kind of stressor on our body. And, you know, even emotions like anger, you know, I know can wreak havoc, long-term anger, un being un unable to forgive somebody for a wrong done. You know, some people are living with those wrongs, you know, way into adulthood and they, they happen when they were little children, you know, and not, not managing or, or looking at that and maybe looking at it in a different way that, that you can move on from it. But holding on to that anger, obviously, really, it does wreak a, a lot of havoc. So I'm going to share a story with you. So, you know, the last couple of weeks have been extremely um, stressful, you know, trying to transition the, the entire clinic from, you know, full operations down to just the emergency clinic. And I found that every day, you know, my inbox was going up and, you know, I, I had a lot of other things to deal with outside of having to help support this transition with my colleagues. And I noticed that I was being so unproductive and I was scattered all over the place. And, you know, two nights ago I said, okay, I'm going to start making some major changes. I have to be in bed by 10 o'clock, uh, you know, decrease the amount of, you know, cocktails I have and all of that. And, I made a list of the things that I wanted to, to make sure I do every day, like exercise. And I, I, I think I mentioned to you when we were talking the other day that I, I put meditation on my list because I had done it for such a long time and, you know, just walked away from the habit. I don't know why. So interestingly enough, the last two days, you know, I've gotten up early, I've done my exercise. I have been more productive in the last 48 hours than I have been in the last two weeks. And I can't help but wonder how connected all of that is because I just made choices to change some of the habitual habits. You know, I, I guess I, I should find a better way of expressing that, but to change some of those things that we do without thinking and really concentrating on doing what's good for my body, what's good for me, what's good mentally. You know, I just used Calm as it's an app. I, I think most people know what Calm is. I, I use it a lot if I can't sleep at night. You know, there's stories and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's a, a great little app. So I just used it and I just made myself sit down for 10 minutes. And it was amazing. I just had the most productive two days. It's just incredible. So, you know, can you elaborate a little bit more on the thoughts behind the 10 minutes? I know a lot of research has been done, you know, all over the world. And I, the way I started was transcendental meditation. Somebody had introduced me to that and that's how I got started. And so I know there's, they've done a lot of research. So can you explain to everyone, you know, a little bit about the, the chemical side of that or what really is happening when we're meditating? Well, basically when, when we meditate, the frontal lobe, which is our processing center, it basically goes offline. And so the more you train your brain to meditate, the quicker your brain is able to, to go offline. It also, meditating affects our, our limbic system, which is the part of the brain um, that processes our emotions and our ability, the amygdala is another area of the brain that 
when we when we meditate it it improves that area so we are less reactive to things the research shows that when we meditate 10 minutes twice a day for eight weeks this is sarah lazar's research actually out of harvard she says that that's when those brain that the neuroplasticity the the the, the changes in the brain begin to happen so it's it's really not a long time before we start to see um, changes in the brain. So what does that do? Does that does it help us process? Does it help us to deal better with with stress? You know what what is it that it's actually doing? Is it helping to heal our body in some way, shape, or form? You know, if it's neural endings, you know. What is it actually doing for us? Like, what, what is the effect? Well, when, we're, when we meditate and we, we turn on the parasympathetic system, right? And we start mm-hmm. to decrease our stress, right? We're decreasing cortisol in our body. So Gorgeous. when we're lowering, the, we're constantly stressed and the cortisol is coming out, that's when it wreak, wreaks havoc and is connected to chronic illness going down that road. But when we're able to get to a place where we are lowering the cortisol, where we're more of a stress-free place, and we're continuing to do that over time, it's incredibly beneficial. Well, I gotta get back. So I'm really excited about the last two days. So you'll see me doing it more. I'll show up at your class again. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, the other thing that you talked about, about feeling very focused, mm-hmm. is really interesting, too, because a lot of the times when, I, when I'm teaching the students, I have a snow globe that I shake, and, I, and the students see the snow, snow going, going all through the globe. And I explain that meditation isn't about getting rid of thoughts or, or stopping the mind or like blanking the mind, right? The, the mind's never going to be that way until we're no longer here on the earth. But when I put the snow globe on the desk and all of the snow falls down to the bottom of the globe, that's what basically meditation is doing. It's allowing us to ah. get so like, once you, you let go of this and that, right? It falls down to the bottom and then that whole globe is so clear. What a and great symbol. It's a really great visual. And so yeah. now you have this clear globe, but all of that stuff is still it's in the globe. Cool. Yeah. It's still, it's just settled. Mm-hmm. And so I did, this is a funny story. I asked one of my students, um, I had a group of students. I, I meet with them in small groups at the end of the wellness curriculum. And I said, you know, would anyone just give me a, a quick adjective on how the meditation made them feel? And his adjective was crisp. Ah. And I, I laugh. I, I love that because it's kind of what you said. Like, I feel sharp. I feel right. ready to go. And it, it, it is an amazing thing. Uh, you know, I call that my flow. When I'm in the flow, when, and I know that I felt that way several times, you know, when I've been running or, or you know, even once during a marathon, you know, it's like I didn't even feel my physical body. I just was going. And today felt like that. Everything just worked perfectly. It just, everything worked out exactly, you know, perfectly. And I got things done and things resolved. And I just think that 
it's interesting that if we allow ourselves to connect that way, that the energy can actually help us work and do things and accomplish things. And, you know, I don't know what, you know, people call it different things. I, I call it love. I call it the universe. I call it, you know, we all have that one thing that connects us all and it's some form of energy and how to describe it. I don't know, but I just call it my flow. And when I feel like I'm in the right lane, everything works per perfectly. Well, what's interesting um, that you say about that is about connection. Mm -hmm. Christina Maslick has one of the best definitions of burnout. And her definition is that burnout is an erosion of the soul. Ooh. It's an erosion of the soul. And, you know, when we are working hard and go, go, go and overachieving, we're, we're like robotic. Yeah. And so we're, we're not connecting, you know, and, and when you meditate and you connect to breath, your life force, and you start to breathe and you're relaxed and you feel sensations in the body, you're like, oh, I'm actually a human being. And you connect to your soul, your being. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful thing to do. And I think we all feel better when we feel human and relaxed and clear, right? We're not frustrated. Absolutely. Absolutely. We get frustrated when we're, when we're not in that place. That's mm -hmm. what brings out the stress and frustration. So that should be a trigger for us. If we can really learn how to pay attention to that and notice when we do get frustrated or do, do notice things, you know, I always pay attention when, when I hit something or I trip or fall over something, because it reminds me that, okay, you're not, you're not concentrating here, you know, because you get distracted too easily and that's when things start to happen. So when things happen like that, it always reminds me to get back on track and start really thinking again and stay focused on what I'm supposed to be doing because something knocked me off track and I, I notice it now. So I, I think that if we could learn how to trigger a, a reaction that is, you know, positive in that it reminds us that, oh my goodness, I, I must be off track. I've got to get back to my center. So talk a little bit more. I know that, you know, you've mentioned centering and mindfulness so much in the teaching that you have been doing, you know, for those people that might be listening, Talk a little bit about mindfulness and about centering. What actually is that? And, you know, is meditation the only way to become, to go through that? Well, centering is about bringing together your mind, your body, your mm -hmm. breath, and your spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's a simple thing to do. It's not the same as meditation, but a centering is a really great way to just begin your day or mm -hmm. when you feel the way you just described, like, right. okay, I need to get centered. I need to get centered, right? And so just taking a moment to stop and putting your hands on your, your physical body and just saying, okay, I feel my body and then take a breath and then feel the breath within you and then bring your mind and maybe the awareness and say to yourself, you, you need to stop. Mm -hmm. 
and then just stay connected to the breath and the body and feeling the mind and then maybe bringing in an, an intention like what what do i want to shift right now mm-hmm. and that that is like that is what a centered person is somebody who's who's all aligned mind body breath spirit and again we're human we're not going to be that way all the time but the more we practice things and make this a part of our daily practice, they, these things just be kind of go on default. Right. We, right. we, we, we can ease into them easily. I, mm-hmm. I started to see my transformation with meditation and yoga probably in my mid forties, early to mid forties, when I was really going deep into my yoga and I would go, go to Kripalu, this is before I trained just for a weekend retreat, just to go take a, a, a a retreat with a, you know, a well-known yogi and just be immersed in that for a weekend. And I started to then begin to live my yoga. Mm. Like, you know, as skillfully as I was moving on my mat, I was like, I need to be very skillful in my actions and my speech. Oh, great way to describe it. That I weigh the way that I listen to people. Then I would come back to my office after a weekend like that. And being an endodontist, I'd have my five patients. And then my secretary would come in with the pen and put the emergency on. And then another emergency. And, you know, before I was really in my practice, I'd start, my anxiety would start to go up. Sure. My tension would go up and say, oh my goodness, I, I have to finish that as four canals. And then what if my staff doesn't get a lunch hour? And then the red pen would come in again. And then I, I would start to get really worked up about how I was going to get through my day. Mm. Well, then I'd come back from a yoga retreat or doing more home practice and yoga was now part of my life that the red pen would come in and I'd say, can't control it. Yeah. Aren't, I, aren't I lucky? Practicing gratitude. Aren't I fortunate that I have three more patients to see today? And it, it just like, as I was saying, just, I'd be like, what? Another patient. It will, it'll all happen. I'm going to get through it. Can't now, you? isn't that interesting? Because, all right. So same thing is happening. I love this quote by Wayne Dwyer. Change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. So you just changed the way you looked at that same thing that was happening, but you you looked at it differently. It was the same thing, but you just changed your outlook about that situation. And you're absolutely right. We can't control it. It's just like, you know, whatever's going to happen, you know, if we've done all the precautionary things like social distancing, you mentioned that before, you know, staying in place, being with our families, all of those sorts of things. If we are doing that, you know, it should diminish the panic and anxiety and uncertainty that people are feeling. Now, obviously we can't know the impact that all of this is gonna have on people, but you can change the way you look at it instead. And I, I, I actually, you know, have been thinking about this quite a bit. The silver lining here is that I really do believe that we are now being given this opportunity to stop, to just stop and okay, what's going well, what's not going well, you know, what are some things that I have given up in my life because I've been so busy, I I haven't had the time, I haven't had 
the energy to do these things. What are those things that I have given up? You know, a lot of time with my family, I give up because, you know, I'm working a lot and don't get a chance to see them as much as I would like. I have that opportunity to see them more now. I think that being home with our kids, you know, for those parents that, that have the opportunity to work from home, you know, your kids are home now and, and spending more time with your kids. Not that they won't drive you crazy after a couple of days. It's just like going, you know, having them home for school break, you know, you, you, after a week, you're like ready. Oh, okay. You guys need to go back. But I do think it's, it's just the universe saying, okay, it's just take a deep breath, people, you know, just take a deep breath and really start realizing what's important. The other thing too, I've, I've noticed is that we've made this very, and this is totally aside from mindfulness and but i think it's important we have made such a rapid transition to online learning that to me it's a clear indication that you know universities and educational institutions really have to stop paying attention the tuition costs for you know especially for dental school as you know are, are astronomical a lot of people can't really afford to go to a private school like Tufts. And, you know, that's impacting us because their students, really great students are choosing state schools over private universities now because the cost is just so prohibitive. And there's no indication that going to a private school is any better than going to a state school. So, you know, this is going to put a lot of pressure, I think, on educational institutions to start looking at how they're doing things. And the pressure is going to come from this generation to say, you know what? And it's already started to happen. In 2011, NPR had a, a study that they did that showed that the decrease in people that are going to college is significant. In fact, Companies like Google, Amazon, they're actually foregoing requirements on a, a bachelor's degree. They're actually instead looking for candidates who are self-directed and have found a passion about something and have hmm. pursued self-knowledge hmm. as a way to teach themselves how to do something because it shows initiative and it shows what they're really passionate about. And I think that this moment in time where specialized knowledge is something that is necessary because we can't know everything. I mean, it used to be a day when, you know, a broad spectrum degree was helpful, but that's not the case anymore. There's so much content out there now that we have to be specialized in our knowledge. And I think that we're going to see a lot of students stop going to college because they're going to choose that path because it's less expensive. They get to start much earlier. Imagine being 14 years old and realize what you want to do and start teaching yourself how to do it, mm -hmm. you know, and pursuing that path. So um, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent like that, but I, I, I do believe that there's some silver linings to, to the impact that this is going to have on us. Well, I think that, you know, the big inquiry here is, you know, what are we going to learn? Mm, what are we going to learn absolutely. from this? What personally, what are each of us going to learn? Are we going to learn like what, what, what can we live without? Right. What was so important to us before that we can't do anymore that we thought was so important that maybe it's not so important. Right. We don't need as much as we thought we need. I mean, I mean, how, I mean, 
I'm someone who really loves to get up and get dressed in a beautiful outfit every day. And I, I've been, you know, in my jeans and a V-neck sweater. And I'm like, kind of happy about that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, this week on Monday, I'm like, geez, I wonder if everybody would be okay with me wearing jeans to school. <laughs> and of course, I didn't do it because I, I you know, I, I have always had this mindset that, you know, if you're a professional, you got to dress like a professional, right? So I would never want anyone to see me in my jeans. Now, certainly when I go to the school over the weekends when I'm, I'm there for the CDCA exams, trying to support the students and stuff, you know, I, I go with my jeans on because it's the weekend. I'm not going to get all right. dressed up on a weekend, but, but I mean, I'm still going to school. So, you know, you're at home and good for you. I, I think, why, do, why do you need to get dressed up? I think it's kind of a nice change of, of pace that we don't have to. No, no, it is nice. And also just, you know, being at home and cooking more and mm. not feeling that we have to go out right. to that, you know, going out is fun, but you know, the last two weekends, um, we've made it fun here. I mean, oh and my gosh. In. Yes. And you know, the other night my son became a DJ and we were dancing in the kitchen and we were oh, just having, having so much fun. And so it's coming to something so simple. Right. And on a Saturday night, usually my kids would not be with me. They'd be out with their friends. Of course. Of <laughs> so course. that was really fun. Of course. So see, we're, we're creating memories even in a time of crisis. So I do think it's all in how you approach it. And, you know, obviously we're not diminishing what is happening. I am very concerned about our medical colleagues and the impact that this is going to have on them. But, but there is two sides of this and let's just choose. And I, I, I'm, I'm picking that word specifically. Let's just choose how we're going to react rather than reacting out of sheer panic and fear. I do think that the one thing that I notice happening in our industry early on was the fear was escalating and I think the fear was escalating more because we didn't know what we didn't know and education is a big reducer I think of fear I, I remember the first weekend I just spent hours and hours and hours doing research combing everything I could read just so I had a, an understanding of really what was going on and it really made me feel better you know, it made me feel better. It made me feel more confident about the, the track that we were taking and go, moving towards emergency care. I was saying that before many other practitioners were getting ready. And I will tell you that I had quite a few text messages from people saying, how can you tell us to close our practice? You know, it's, it's, and I totally get it. I understand. I was a business owner for many years, 22 years of private practice myself. So I do know the impact that, you know, not having that cash flow is going to have on these people. And it just is, it kills me. It's, it's very stressful. So I do know that, but I do think that the way we look at it can help to make it more palatable. And one of the things I, I, I think managing this whole thing that, that we might want to share with the listeners is, you know, what are some of the steps that we can take? Uh, you know, one that comes right to mind is taking it one day at a time. Don't overthink it. We can't, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when the flat, the curve is going to flatten. 
everybody has a has control of what they do for their day to day life if they are choosing to stay in place and not interacting with other people that's great but unfortunately we can't make choices for anybody else we have to choose that for ourselves and we have to right. be responsible right. for that right yeah i think it's i think it's taking it one day at a time and not i mean honestly i'm really trying to not even look to next week Mm -hmm. I, I really try to look to tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I only go as far as tomorrow. And I, I, I would say probably because I, I talk a lot about that with my kids because mm -hmm. I have um, two kids that a junior and a senior in college. So, you know, both of them are, have a lot of questions. And I said, you know what, guys, let's just think about tomorrow today. Mm -hmm. And let's only look as far as tomorrow. And keeping ourselves educated on this within reason. Like I am trying right, to limit right. my, I watch the news once a day. I pick my time. I try to do it midday actually. And so that, you don't get anxious at nighttime. Exactly. Right. I, I'm really, really working on that. And, you know, the other thing is I, you know, a lot of our colleagues and our friends are going to be dealing with this very differently. Right. And um, to be, to, as you just said, you, you need to handle this the way you're going to handle it. I'm handling it the way I'm handling it. And we have to be non-judgmental of the way right. other people are handling it and just, you know, continue to have hope because we're all going to do everything we have to do, but we, we have to have hope. We do. We do. And I, I, I do think that people are feeling helpless and I do think that they need to replace that if they can. And I know it's so hard to do. Easier said than done, just like you said earlier. You need to replace that feeling of helplessness with hope that, you, you know, we survived the gas crisis of 76. You were probably little and, and you don't remember that, but um, I do. you, I you do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I was in college by then. And, and I will say that, that I remember those days. I remember all the cars, you know, down the street, around the corner, you know, down the bend and they were all packed up. And, and then, you know, the, the stock market crash of 87, that was another really big hit for finances for a lot of people. Then uh, we had the crash, the real estate crash in 2008. That was right around, and I'm sure that your daughter, your your children are experiencing the same thing. My daughter was a junior in college at the at that point. So you know, mom, how am I going to graduate and and not be able to get a job? You know, students were graduating that year, much like our our dental students graduating this year. You know, are they going to be able to get out to residencies on time? Are they going to be able to get to the armed services that they have a contract with? The good thing is that they're all, everybody's in this boat and nobody's exempt. There's no, no nationality that is exempt from this. There's no, there's no barriers whatsoever. We're all one in this big game of what's going to happen. So um, I think that, that, that they can take solace in that, I think, a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like we have gone back to the olden days, mm. right? This is back then, you know, there was like a maybe a tavern, you know, one little tavern, but people didn't go out the way that our society does. People weren't connected the way that we are. At least we get to 
look at each other tonight and, and have a conversation or sure. FaceTime people. And I understand what you're saying about people that are feeling helpless, people that are feeling you know, horrible that they can't pay their staff. And it, there's no, nothing you can say to, to make that go away. It, no. All we can continue to do is to be grateful mm-hmm. that we are safe. Our, if we have, have, have maintained our health, our families, our friends, and we, we can continue that our circles of being healthy and to, and to just think of three things every night before you go to bed that you're grateful for, it will put a lot in perspective. That's a great tip. That's a really great tip. I know that because people can't go out, there's, there's a lot of, of people getting together on Zoom or whatever video conferencing you might have, system you might have, and having cocktail parties yeah. and getting together that way because, you know, it allows them to chat and have a conversation, but, you know, keep their social distance. So I, I thought that was a great idea. I think that's a great way to cope with the, the feeling of lack of connection. And, and you're right. I mean, never in, in the history of humankind have we been so connected all over the world than now. I mean, you know, I have somebody doing some, some work for me that lives in, in uh, Pakistan. I have somebody that's doing some work for me that lives in India, you know, you know, social media type stuff. And, and I think, oh my gosh, never I, before now have I, would I have ever interacted with somebody from those countries, but now we're so connected. We, we can do that every day. It's very yeah. cool. Right. Very and cool. also too, I mean, getting outside, I mean, oh um, yeah you know, on, especially on the weekends, you, you know, everybody's outside and, you know, not a lot of people take the time to take long walks. I mean, we can't mm-hmm. go to the gym, right? right? Can't go so to the gym. all we can really do is ride our bikes, be outside, take a run. And go for a hike. Mean, people are going out, rain, snow, <laughs> and, you know, just to take in and just breathe, you know, the, the world around us. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, with all the cars off the roads, I think we're, we're helping our air quality. (laughs) So, well, they, they found that that happened in China, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's very cool. Okay. So we are really excited to have you do a meditation with us. So why don't you talk a little bit about the type of meditation you're going to do and, you know, just give people that may have never done this before, you know, some guidance as far as what, what they can expect and all that kind of stuff. And I'll just let you take it from there. Uh, so I thought I would, I would guide a loving kindness meditation. Um, a loving kindness meditation uh, is a meditation that originates from the Buddhist tradition. It's also referred to as metta meditation. And the word meta, it, when we when we translate that word, means um, benevolence, kindness, friendship, and affection. And so, uh, loving kindness meditation focuses on developing feelings of goodwill, kindness, and warmth toward others without expecting anything back in return. Mm. And so. There's been a lot of research on loving kindness um, meditation. This meditation enhances the activity in the brain 
that's related to stress management, emotional regulation, immune function. So parts of the brain that help with all of that. And I think we could all use a boost in all those areas. Sure. And then, as I said before, the limbic system, um, Mm -hmm. this also affects the limbic system, which is a part of the brain that is in charge of processing emotions uh, and empathy. And um, it's a meditation I feel that really connects us. So the meditation begins with wishing um, loving kindness on yourself. Then we move toward a, a beloved somebody that is really special to you. Then we move to a neutral person, somebody that we, we know, but not that well, could be a colleague, a, a classmate. Uh, then we move to somebody who we don't care for very much. This mm-hmm. is a tough one. Uh, and this is a very powerful practice. When you can bring into your mind somebody that you have conflict with, resentment, and wish loving kindness on them, And then we wish loving kindness to all beings in the world. Mm -hmm. So this is how the meditation will go. I'm, I'm going to play a little music. MJ, you'll tell me how the, how the sounds give me a thumbs up sound. Um, I will bring you into a, a relaxed, just your seated position. And you just have to listen to my voice and I'm going to, repeat five traditional phrases that will be in the context of all these people you're wishing loving kindness on. And those phrases are, may I be filled with loving kindness? May I be well? May I be happy? May I be safe from harm? And may I be peaceful and at ease? Just those those words are beautiful. I know. I I know. So that's, that's a, a context, and we're just going to go for it. Okay, I'm ready. So get comfortable in your seats. Ground your feet into the floor. Feel yourselves rooted in the seat that you're sitting in. Take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, feel the shoulder blades relax down the back. Begin to bring attention to the breath. Just observing the breath as it comes in and out of the body. Now visualize your heart center being a wheel of green light. The heart center is actually an energy center of green light. And now breathing from that heart space, begin to generate kind feelings toward yourself and feel any areas of mental blockage or numbness or self-judgment just fade away. And as you continue to breathe in and out, I will say these traditional phrases and you will repeat them silently back to yourself. May I be filled with loving kindness. 
May I be well. May I be happy. May I be safe from harm. May I be peaceful and at ease. And now move to a person who invites a feeling of pure, unconditional, loving kindness. The kind that doesn't depend on getting anything back. Someone that's very beloved. Someone that you consider a mentor. It might be a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a child, even a pet. And visualize this person in your mind, bring them into your heart and slowly repeat these phrases to yourself. And you may say their name as well. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from harm. May you be peaceful and at ease. And now, bringing your attention to a neutral person, somebody that you feel neither strong, like or dislike, somebody that you a neighbor, a friend, an acquaintance, someone you don't know so well, and feel tenderness and loving care for their wellness, and repeat silently to yourself, May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from harm. May you be peaceful and at ease. And now to the difficult one bringing to mind somebody that you may have hostile feelings or resentment. And this might be something that to the best of your ability that you will attempt to do. And so visualize that person and wishing them loving kindness by saying silently to yourself, may you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be happy. May you be free from harm. May you be peaceful and at ease. And now expand your awareness and picture the entire globe in front of you is a little ball floating in the air, imagining all living beings on this earth. Imagine them being happy and at peace, all living in harmony, 
surrounded by love and healthy. And repeat these following phrases silently to yourself as you radiate loving kindness to all beings. May all beings be filled with loving kindness. May all beings be well. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings be peaceful and at ease. And now embodying the feeling of love and kindness through your entire being, breathing it in, breathing it out, feeling it radiating from your body out into the world. And as I ring my chime, slowly open your eyes and take a moment to notice how you feel. That was beautiful. Isn't that you know, beautiful? isn't it amazing that, I mean, I had never heard of, of loving kindness meditation before. You know, I just it I haven't come across it and then you know that article that I shared with you on anxiety and um, the Harvard Business Review that he mentioned it also and it's just amazing because it kind of fits with where we are today and it's not just about us it's about the whole world and the whole world needing loving kindness and us all to just share that love well, and I think when, when you get to the part of the meditation, when you have to bring to mind somebody who you struggle with, mm-hmm. you know, I think about it a lot in our, in our profession. We have all had grumpy, miserable, difficult patients in our chairs. Sure. And it's, it's really hard on us when we're trying to give them the best care that we can and they, they just won't have it. They, mm-hmm. they won't appreciate it. And to be able to practice that with somebody like that, whether it's a patient or somebody you meet crosses your path that's just so hostile, to just, instead of letting them get under your skin, to walk away and say, you know, blessings on your path. I wish you loving kindness. May you be well and healthy. And it's such a positive, empowering way to to walk away from the situation and boy, it, it it's a lot better than getting yourself all right about it. <laughs> right. Cause you can't think when you get like that Mm-mm. and you make mistakes. And I think that that's the big key is, is understanding the impact of taking that path has on us both mentally and physically, you know, the, that internal turmoil and, you know, that energy has to be expressed some, somehow, some way, some, in some form. So, you know, repeated use of that over and over again really does, it, it has to wreak havoc for us. 
That was beautiful, Christina. So tell um, our listeners uh, where you can be found, because I know that you share your meditations freely with, with the world and that you have a channel of your own that people can go and use your, your music and your meditation. Tell them all about it. I have a YouTube channel. Which is great. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Christina Devona Paston, and I have uh, a lot of chair yoga videos. I have a series of six chair yoga videos of different length that you can do right at your desk. Which is and great. eight meditations uh, that you can listen to there. You can also find me on SoundCloud. I have um, all my meditations on SoundCloud. I am on Instagram now at Dr. Paston's Peace of Mind, cool. uh, P-E-A-C-E of Mind. And um, I have a website, christinapaston.com. So um, you can you could contact me. My email is on that website. That will come right to me. Oh, that's so exciting. I have thoroughly enjoyed, I, obviously, we, we know each other well, and we can talk forever and ever. But I have just thoroughly enjoyed this this time together tonight. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking your time out and sharing with, with everyone some of the, the ways that we can, you know, get through these uncertain times and how changing the way we look at things might be helpful for, for people out there in the interim until we know what's going to really happen. Thank you, MJ, for having me. Tonight, it's always a pleasure, and uh, you are one of my dear friends, so I, it's always wonderful to be, to be with you. And the same here. So thank you. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed tonight's interview, episode, whatever we want to call it, you know, just spending time with my friend, Dr. Christina Paston, and meditating together, and hopefully you will find some solace in all of this, and our dear hope for all of you is that we get on the other side and we're better than we were when we went into this whole crisis. So thank you very much for everybody for being here. Thank you so much for listening to the women in dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.